and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the newsstand studios from Rockefeller Center in Midtown, New York. John, it's uh, it's Midtown, right? Yep, Midtown. Kind of Midtown? I mean, isn't Rockefeller Center its own kind of neighborhood? It's like right in the middle of Midtown. It's between yeah. Midtown West and Midtown East, so Midtown, uh, Midtown. All right, yeah. all right. Uh, not joined in the studio, as usual, with uh, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. She is having uh, technical difficulties calling in, which means cooking issues uh, crowd, that if uh, you are the kind of people that watch the Rankin and Bass Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas special, if you're one of the people that, that watches those, you have one more week to find in that show what I have always thought is an error, a mistake made in the show, but in fact, my son Dax has proved to me is in fact genius, is in fact genius. Um... Jackie Molecules also is not going to be calling in. He's having issues, but he is going to be on the Discord uh, taking care of all of your stuff if you're a Patreon listener. And for the first time today in the booth, we have Hassan Moore on the, on the what do you call that, the panel, on the mixing panel. How are you doing, Hassan? Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, no, thanks for doing it. And uh, Hassan's dealing with uh, a bunch of issues because cooking issues, we bring the bad luck with us wherever we go. So, uh, you know, they moved... Uh, they moved uh, Newsstand Studios back into a studio while they were still under construction, and so they uh, decided that we didn't need lights today. It's kind of fun. So he's working in the dark. How do you like that, Hassan? It's intimate. I like it. Yeah. And uh, the first time I have uh, someone uh, on, you know, officially doing this, I have to ask them some questions so that the listeners know something about you. What do you like to eat? Um, my girlfriend told me I have the palate of a five-year-old, so I would mm. say... Italian food, Chinese food, and burgers. Hmm. And do you do you cook at all or no? You know, very minimal. I cook pancakes. My mother makes a salmon dish that I like, and I'm pretty good at cooking that. All right, well, let me ask you this about pancakes, and then I'll let you off the hook, all right? Okay. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm going to ask you several questions about pancakes. What size pancakes do you typically make? Bigger than silver dollar, but smaller than those... 45 size pancakes. Alrighty. And are you a buttermilk or a milk person? Milk person. Okay. And do you flip when the bubbles don't recollapse? In other words, when the bubbles stay open on the top, or do you flip just when you start seeing bubbles? That's an interesting question. I think I wait a little while till I see a good amount of bubbles. The ones that don't kind of close up all the way, so it almost looks like it's going to be a crumpet, and then you flip it, like that kind of thing? Correct. Okay. Because to me, John, right or wrong, that's kind of one of the main things. When do you flip the pancake? I've had like hour-long arguments about people when you flip the pancake. It's really more complicated than that because it really depends on how stiff the batter is and how thick the pancake is going to yeah. be. But that's what people think about when they yeah, think about it. Yeah, that's true. All right, listen. Before I give you the telephone number for live Patreon listeners, because I'm going to want to tell you why you're going to want to call in right now. We have, we're extremely honored to have with us special guest, like world famous. I've never met him actually, I don't think. Virgilio Martinez is on the phone. Uh, how are you doing, Chef? Hi, how are you? Doing quite well. So, Great li- to be with you. So, so listen, we're talking like uh, the chef of uh, Central in, in, in Lima, in Peru. By the way, I'm, Chef, I'm embarrassed to say I have never been to Peru. Everyone that I know who's oh, gone to on. Peru. Really? It's crazy. I've never been. It's like it's a, you know, everyone tells me it's like the new food capital of the world, Peru, and I've not been. Isn't that stupid? Oh, well, just a bit. Uh, <laughs> please go to, to Lima, to Cusco, to the Amazon. Uh, there's a 
which takes so much out by diversity and, and so many places to just not, not, not the restaurants and just natural environments where you can enjoy food. Yeah. Very beautiful. Yeah, yeah ne- but I mean, you have time. Sure. I've never been south of Colombia. It's one of my great regrets. The problem is I don't, I've never, like in the entire world, I've never been south of Colombia. I've made it just to the equator and no further. Well, about Colombia, Colombia is quite, it's quite nice. Um, the Amazon of Colombia is nice, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Have you been there? I have never been to the Amazon. I've only been to uh, I've only been to like Bogota and to like uh, Quindío, where the coffee plantations are, and Cartagena. But the, the, beautiful. I, yeah, I like more the up in the mountains. And we're we're going to talk about that in a minute. So call your questions uh, for the chef into nine one seven four one zero fifteen zero seven. That's nine one seven four one zero fifteen zero seven. But I have to ask you this: I, I read in your bio that you worked at Lutes in New York. Sure, that was amazing. Yeah, one one of the major things that I'm very, I'm, I'm actually very proud of, of being just part of that uh, team. Long time ago. Yeah. When were you at Lutes? Uh, we were like uh, it was part of the last uh, era of, of Lutes. Uh, just uh, when uh, David Phil was the chef, and and uh, we were yeah we were close in the restaurant. So it was after. Uh, it was I mean, after. I was. I was. I was. I was uh, Müller after the German chef. Yeah, after Andre Soltner had already. Yeah. Used, yeah. 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 I love Andre Soltner Andres so Sonia, much. Yeah. Yeah. Andre Soltner. Yeah. He was. He was still there, but he wasn't able. To, I mean, he was. He wasn't cooking because he was. Uh, he was. Uh, yeah. Uh, he was too. I think he was too old. Uh, obviously, but uh, then uh, we 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 had a, a new generation of chefs uh, taking over uh, the the kitchen. But uh, it was tough times for you know for French uh, food in New York. Uh, you know, the the Japanese were, were coming in. Uh, different uh, things uh, were coming to New York, so it wasn't all about uh, Italian and French cuisine at uh, fine dining. So it was tough. Yeah. Uh, now, worked all over. When did you open your restaurant Central, which is always on like the on the top fifty list, etc. How, how long long ago did you open that? Two thousand eighteen. I'm sorry, two thousand eight. Yeah, uh, we opened in in Lima, in, in the district of uh, Miraflores, and then we we just moved uh, uh, about four years to Barranco, which is another place in, in Lima. And since then, uh, now we've. Uh, yeah, we're quite happy about the place because uh, we see a, a bright uh, future, uh, you know, after all this uh, disaster uh, happening during this past uh, month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, what I want to talk about, uh, I guess at Central, is the kind of famous idea of the tasting menus based on altitude. And I think, you know, the one thing, like I, like I told you when I went to Colombia, what I, what I kind of loved is you choose your kind of climate and you choose kind of the ingredients based on the altitude, and you have, because, uh, you know, the mountains are so high, and the temperature changes, but what's so amazing is, is that you have ingredients in these different places that can only grow in, like, there, because they need a constant temperature, or relatively constant temperature, like, all the time, which you can only get in these kind of equatorial highlands. You want to talk about cooking based on, or not cooking, but uh, ingredients based on altitude? 
Sure. And, and actually, we have a, another restaurant which is in, at uh, almost 4,000 meters above sea level uh, up in the mountains in the Andes of Peru in Cusco, uh, the place called Mil, where we were working with local communities and we just serve food just coming from that area. That, that, I mean, we don't have any, any, any food that we serve here in Central Lima, uh, where we are just in front of the sea. Uh, we don't have any, any seafood, any, no, no food coming from the Amazon, just food that grows in this specific altitude. So, uh, but there are different uh, elevations, even in the mountains, in the Andes. So, you, in some places you find that you see the quinoa, all these Andean grains, uh, different varieties of quinoa, because there's not only a few, as, 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 as many people uh, believe that we have, we got the black one, the yellow one, uh, the, the, the white and the red. So there's, uh, there are many others. And then we have some other kind of Andean grains. And then we have another, another, another ecosystem in the altitude where you find um, uh, different vegetable roots and different varieties of potatoes. I mean, we got, uh, we catalog, uh, I mean, by the, by the, by one institute, uh, 4,700 varieties of potatoes in one region, uh, and uh, this is quite a lot of ingredients. And then uh, there's another, another place in, in, this, uh, in these mountains where you find different varieties of corn, and then uh, fruits, uh, then we have the Sacred Valley. I don't know if you, if you, if you have heard about this area uh, near, well, in Cusco, where uh, it's surrounded by, by beautiful fruits and aromatic. So, uh, most most of the food that that, that we we consume there is uh, like uh, yeah, it's more like vegetables. Uh, I wouldn't say like everything is vegan. Uh, there's also meat, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's most about vegetables. Um, cacao, for instance, coffee. Uh, the cacao from the from the elevations is, is quite unique. Same with the the, the coffee. Cusco is so high. How do you cook there? Is it very hard to do, like, like how hard is it to adapt to cooking that high up? It's so high. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. First of all, you, you, you got to adapt your, your body to, and, your, and your mind and, and to that space. So being, it's, it's, uh, you, you feel this, this uh, kind of busy when, when you get to Cusco. Uh, the first day is quite uh, difficult to because uh, there's a lack of oxygen, of course, being in this uh, high altitude. But uh, then after two days, uh, you start to feel like actually like perfect, uh, well, and uh, the energy there is fantastic, it's amazing, so uh, it, it actually changed your, your mood. And then uh, being in touch with these uh, new ingredients, because there is always something new to explore, um, uh, so when we, when we do the foraging, uh, uh, different, uh, herbs, aromatics and vegetables. Um, so this, 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 uh, it's an amazing, uh, um, um, uh, variety of, of ingredients. But yeah, cooking the ingredients is different because it, it's difficult because, uh, you know, uh, the pressure that we, 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 we use in the coast, uh, at the sea level, it, it doesn't work. In the Andes, uh, the level of humidity uh, is very, very low, so uh, things work in a very different way. So whatever we work, uh, any recipe that we prepare, probably you are preparing or I am preparing in Lima, they don't work in, in Cusco. Do you have to use a lot of pressure cookers, or you only adapt it to 
like uh, things that want to be cooked at that high of an altitude? You know, we prefer to cook with uh, with fire direct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen we, the I've seen the pictures. We try to get inspiration from 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 the yes, yes. Maybe you've seen that. Yeah, we try to get most of the inspiration from from the locals, yeah. and the locals are the ones who who, who actually they've been doing this for years, uh, thousands of years. So uh, we 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 try to 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 adopt these these techniques, which in the end are very good because uh, this is part of our learning process as as cooks that we we have this tremendous curiosity to. To understand new methods and, and, and new things, because uh, actually I'm, I'm coming from the, the from the old school, from the, you know, from the from, from a very French-based uh, uh, astronomy, uh, and then I I I I've, I've done some cocina uh, and espanol and the Spanish cuisine, you know, the what what is, what, is, what is called the molecular cuisine. Or, so I, I I've done this. Different techniques, but after after you know coming to Peru uh, and these past uh, let's say uh, 15 years, 20 years, I've been doing this in Cusco, which has been uh, a, a change of of of, of everything. Like now I'm, I see, I, I actually feel like I'm cooking uh, South American. Hmm. Well, I well we'll get into the that collection of all kind of like the actual medicinal stuff, which is fascinating in in a minute, but. The pictures from from Meal are like amazing. Is that the prettiest restaurant view ever? Like ever? It's so beautiful. Oh yeah, that's the one that you yeah you see these uh, terraces, circular terraces that the the, the and they were built uh, since pre Inca time, uh, and uh, that that was used as a as a as a as a um, agricultural lab. Where uh, people were were creating different ecosystems and different temperatures and different elevations and different um, land, pieces of land, where uh, the temperatures were were different, uh, so they were able to understand different crops, and uh, they were able to seek uh, more strength to to seed. Uh, so uh, it was. Pretty much a, a useful place to 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 you know understand uh, these uh, mountains and this uh, huge ecosystem which is uh, which is where, where is Cusco and the, and the Cordillera of Andes. So uh, we're just in front of that that place, and this is the size of the, of the I say the, a football stadium, which is huge, and we have this in front of the restaurant. So part of, of uh, of being in the restaurant is that you you get you get this view, and then you also get the view of matter, which is our research and interpretation center. Because we gotta have an interpretation and, and research center to 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 understand understand how to apply these different techniques and ingredients to our cooking. One more question about Cusco: How often does it happen that a tourist comes to Cusco, comes to the restaurant first day, first day? has a bottle of wine and falls over from the altitude. Just as like, they don't understand, they can't drink that much at high altitude, and boom, they fall over. How often? Like every day or like some days? <laughs> yeah, every two days. Yeah, every two days, <laughs> there's one person. Yeah, I gotta say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's but like... Out of, out, of, out, of, out of 40 people, I mean, two people, it's, it's okay. Uh, I mean, we got <laughs> oxygen, and we, we, we provide some, you know, some messages and whatever, whatever is needed. So, 
Uh, yeah, but, but uh, it doesn't much. So go to the restaurant the second day, people. Go there, but go to the restaurant on the second day. The second day. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. And so... Uh, I also want to ask you, because I think a lot of people are going to find this uh, very interesting, and this actually kind of harkens back to uh, Soltner a little bit, who, you know, his business partner was, uh, was his wife forever. Uh, what's it like, like ha- being married to uh, the chef de cuisine, uh, Chef, chef uh, Pileon? That's got to be kind of, that's got to be hard in such like a high-powered restaurant, <laughs> you know, that being actually married and working. Yeah, I've been at this a, a lot, and uh, before I, I used to I used to uh, answer that it was you know of course it's difficult. You need you need in a way to ne- negotiate uh, things, the kitchen, and uh, then uh, we try different uh, strategies and techniques to to you know have different spaces uh, and and then understand uh, where we want to be together, cooking together. Uh, so. But now it's, uh, it's quite cool because now she has a restaurant uh, next to my restaurant, so uh, she's working in her, in her place. But the thing is that uh, she's so much into Central that she's also the head chef of the plant, so uh, we are still working together. But the thing is that now uh, she's uh, more like into her restaurant, and uh, I, I gotta say that it's just uh, uh, it's very good for us because uh, being a cook. Uh, of course, you know that it demands so much of your time, and uh, you lose, uh, you know, connection with family, people, uh, friends, uh, parties, and stuff like this. And, and then you wanna be in, in your in your kitchen. Uh, when I go to Cusco, I, I gotta go with some some uh, plans uh, about everything. Is sometimes everything becomes everything. Everything is is about gastronomy or food, about our restaurant, our ingredients. So if I have a partner that is, uh, I mean, that is enjoying this with me, uh, I mean, what else I can, I can ask? Like, I'm, I'm, I feel like uh, we're in a, in a, in a, in a good, uh, we're living a good time here together. Well, that's great, because it could go either way. <laughs> right? I mean, no, that's, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. But, but we, we need this time to know, you know, what, what she likes and what I like. And uh, where we need the space, that uh, of course it's, it's not everything is not that beautiful. I mean, we 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 need sometimes to sometimes to deal with uh, struggling about you know this this uh, stress in the kitchen. Uh, but I think we we are uh, at this point uh, after ten years uh, doing this together. I think that we know each other enough to understand you know where. You know, uh, somebody has to has to be left uh, alone. Yeah. Know. That's amazing. And then, what's interesting also, yeah. you you partner with your sister, Malena, in the. I'm gonna butcher the. I gotta forgive me. I'm gonna butcher any pronunciation. Mater um, uh, Iniciativa. Yes. Yeah. Which is uh, the talk about this kind yes. of research program you guys have. Yeah, she's the one. She's the one who's connecting to different disciplines. So, we, because we're working with different fields, uh, from uh, uh, different different things that are not not just astronomy. That's that's what amazed me. That uh, I don't I don't see only only chefs and cooks and 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 and, and food. So we we work with different people, anthropologists from 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 historians to the world from the art and the culture. So uh, 
So Malena, what she does is she is uh, articulating all these different uh, people to, to, to create different uh, programs and, and uh, studies. So that is giving us uh, different uh, views of, uh, of, you know, how it's going to be our next uh, menus, how it's going to be our next experiences, and, and what should we do? We should, what should we do? What should we be doing in the next uh, few years uh, from now? So um, it's about uh, this Madrizatila is, of course, cataloging every, every single thing that we find. Uh, of course, matter, matter as, a, as a research and an interpretation center is, is, is providing this knowledge and ideas uh, coming from different fields and uh, from science and art. And, and, you know, the innovation is, 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 is very good and the creativity, the level of creativity that we can achieve in the kitchen sometimes is, is, uh, is beyond what we, we were expecting. So originally you guys were cataloging like uh, local and indigenous products from Peru. And I think one of the interesting things you said on your uh, on the website there is that you you know you could live in Lima your whole life and you go up the mountain and all of a sudden you're a foreigner. That's how different the the ingredients are. But then you decided at some point to shift to not just Peru but to the range of products kind of all throughout the Andes, and that kind of led to the the book that you just came out with, which we're gonna I guess we should start talking about before we run out of time, right? Yeah. Well, well but uh, you know what happened is that uh, we started as. Uh, as something very very small uh, with Malena, like uh, we started going, we were going to the Andes, to the mountains of Peru, where we had to move like just like maybe a few hours from Lima, from the coast. We are just next to the sea, and then uh, we started to go to the Amazon. So what happened? What happened in Peru is that everything is quite close for being such a diverse uh, for. Being in, in in a way the land of uh, biodiversity, let's, let's, let's put it in this way. So uh, we were doing this, and, and little by little, after maybe about six years, we've been creating more more uh, programs, and more people have have been have been coming to to our ideas and our projects. So what, what is happening now is that uh, uh, we want to know more about what's going on in Latin America, about uh, because there's one thing that. Uh, if uh, we are through where we are close to the Amazon and, and the Cordillera Los Andes and the, and the desertic areas and the coast and the sea, uh, we kind of see the same thing happening in, in South America and Latin America. So, uh, and the, the, the whole process of explore has been something that uh, for us is something that we need. So nowadays that we want to know more about Latin America, uh, we gotta go to these places. Uh, so we gotta, we gotta see beyond the, the borders of, of Peru, which is, it has been, uh, very good for, for, for our, our team. And then we came up with this, this book, of course, where we were doing something quite like starting from, from scratch because we are doing, uh, some of the cataloging, some of the recipes that we, we, we decided that they were that they were one of the most uh, emblematic or probably one of the most, um, uh, I don't know, the ones that probably we need to preserve in time. Wait, so the name of the book, by the way, is the, for those of you who are, uh, I haven't, I should have told you guys right away what the name of the book is, I apologize. It's uh, the Latin American Cookbook, uh, but it's not, 
I mean, it's not even just like a cookbook. It's like uh, it's an encyclopedia. It's a, it's interesting. It harkens back to an an older style of book, and you're doing all the way from like the very the very southern tip of South America, all the way up to the Rio Grande, all the way up to like you know Juarez, all the way up to like the Rio Grande. So it's like, uh, and all the way over sure. to the to the Caribbean, right? So it's, I mean, yeah. it's an incredibly physically large but also incredibly diverse region so you know like i you know i read what fiden put out because it's one of fiden things and they were like well this is the second in the series we had you know we had um, uh, a book on the, the cuisine of the north like scandinavia i was like scandinavia is like four countries with like two different kinds of people in it no offense scandinavia no offense you know what i mean but it's like maybe three kinds of people in scandinavia <laughs> whereas like you know latin america is like like you can't even comprehend it, you know what I mean? And yet, you still in the book you say that there is enough of a commonality that you feel like you can draw it all together into one book. You want to talk about that? Yeah, um, there, there was just one thing that uh, we, as, as coming from Latin America, probably some people think that we are the same. We are not. Uh, people from Peru is very different to people uh, from Mexico and Brazil and Argentina and Chile and Ecuador and Bolivia. So. Um, uh, and then uh, still, like people in my country, uh, we are so different. I mean, I'm, I'm from the coast, and then you find people from the from the mountains. I think you mentioned that people from the mountains, from the Andes, that they are very different to what we believe. Uh, the way we see the world, our mindset, our the way we see the, the the world is different. And then the people in the Amazon is so different. So same uh, is is happening in in Latin America. Uh, so, uh, but, um, you know, if we compare with uh, this uh, Bible, I don't know how to call this, but, uh, we started to do a, a cookbook recipe, but then we started to see that, you know, every single recipe has a, has a beautiful story, and uh, a story that, that we, uh, we needed to, 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 to share. Uh, I, I, I mean, the, the book could be, like, huge, and, and it, could, it could take us... Uh, uh, maybe like uh, more uh, more years to, to finish, but I think uh, uh, we did a we did a quite a, 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 a great job. Uh, just uh, I mean, like yeah, you mentioned uh, the Nordic book is about I don't know four countries or countries. In this case, well, 20, we did twenty two. We covered twenty two uh, countries, and um, we had a thousand recipes, and then we we we. We put it down to 600 recipes and about almost 200 photos of recipes, which is, it, it is a lot, uh, but we needed to do this way because uh, um, uh, the level of complexity uh, in Latin America is, is huge, as I was saying. We are, we are not the same, and every single uh, country has, a, has a different stories and, and, and different, different things, different traditions. Uh, you know the melting pot that happened in in, in many countries are, are just amazing. Uh, uh, you know Peru, I think is is uh, is a, a very hot spot on this because uh, we've been uh, we've been uh, we are the result of of probably uh, uh, you know Japanese, Chinese, uh, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, Italian, uh, our Inca legacy. So. Same is happening in all these different countries. Uh, so we're trying to put a bit of, of this 
And uh, and then, uh, you know, with all these our differences, with all our differences, we want to do something that probably uh, we could say like, a, okay, this is Latin America. Yeah, and you focus mainly on food that kind of either people cook or people eat in a kind of a normal, sometimes festive as well, but not like, a, not necessarily like fine dining. This is like food that like just people would eat, right? Sure. That's, that was uh, something important. Uh, when when we decided to do this book, uh, I asked uh, about 15 guys, 17 guys in, the, in my kitchen, and uh, also in the kitchen in, 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 in the restaurant, in both restaurants, and also in matter in the research area, where people were coming from different uh, nationalities, uh, from, from mostly from South America. So having like uh, 17 people, uh, and so they had different contacts. So we, we got in touch with different people from different different countries, uh, food writers, journalists, anthropologists, historians. So we're able to understand, you know, a little bit of every every country, and and suddenly we. Uh, I know many chefs from 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 they made friends, lot of colleagues. They, they were helping me to do this, and and this is the work of master as a research area with all. Uh, uh, most of uh, most of our friends, colleagues, uh, they were contributing with, with recipes. Uh, then another food writer was helping us, uh, Nicholas Gill. Uh, uh, so he was he's, he's a traveler, he's a journalist, and he he was uh, uh, picking uh, places and recipes and helping us to to you know uh, combine everything into one thing coming from Latin America. Right, because it's interesting. Like uh, you know, you say that you know, as you as you just said, that you you know, you're trying to first taste a dish or talk to someone, like have it made by the hands who know what it's supposed to taste like or with the ingredients it's that it's supposed to taste like. Sometimes you even go to the places where they're made to have them in like the original locale. But then you're in in one way adapting them by making them in your kitchen, trying to make a recipe that's adaptable. But on the other hand, you're also telling people like real ingredients. So here's a book I can buy in America that has a recipe for Rhea eggs. And for those of you that don't know, Rhea is like a is like a small ostrich like bird from South America and we can't get the eggs here. You know what I mean? So it's a it's a very interesting um it's a very interesting combination of adapted but also not adapted, right? So it's like it's it's a very it's an interesting line to to kind of dance down. What do you think? Sure, uh, that's what I call in the in the in the book. Uh, you know, improvisation is good. Uh, don't be stressed. Don't get stressful about uh, doing the recipe. You know, 100%. If you if you don't find ingredients, uh, just get into the creative process and and uh, and, and do whatever you think is good and. Uh, don't follow the recipe. It doesn't mean that the recipes don't work. I mean, the recipes, they, also, they do work. And uh, we've been trying the recipes, as you were saying, like, uh, when we were doing the recipes, even when we were taking the photo, we were imagining that we were in this uh, magic uh, a beach in Cartagena or that we were in Venezuela, uh, you know, in this kind of mountain. So we were seeing, you know, nowadays, like, of course, uh, different books, uh, YouTube, uh, contacts are, are very helpful. I, thought, uh, I think that uh, making a book like this, uh, maybe 10 years ago, would be like, very, very, very different. But, uh, but uh, nowadays, uh, uh, having this sense of place is very important and uh, because of many people working with us, uh, 
having all these people uh, has been has, has been uh, has been uh, wonderful. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think uh, uh, having uh, one of the biggest uh, challenges was uh, like having one piece of uh, you know giving Latin America in one book, which is challenging, difficult. Yeah, I noticed you uh, you left out uh, capybara, one of my favorite meats from South America. You just don't, I guess you don't like, uh, you know, what do they call capybara in Peru? Do they eat it there, the, the chiguero from Colombia? Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't put it out, that one. Because we we uh, we focus on the camelidos, the camels, South American camels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we did a little bit of the guinea pig. Uh, you know, we have rabbits, we have venison, and uh, of course... Uh, those are the the native uh, uh, meat, and 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 then uh, we were then uh, you know the, the the pork, the the beef, uh, uh, they came they came with the with the Spanish, and since then uh, you know uh, you know how much uh, Brazil, how much is, is, is producing meat, and and and, and Argentina and Uruguay and Paraguay. So uh, yeah, those are things that it's not about like uh, doing uh, everything like our our native cuisine. We we did like fifty fifty like also some of of the things that we've been doing in the past past uh, hundred years of, of natural fusion. So I don't want to run out of time because we have some questions uh, from our uh, listeners for you. And actually, uh, this person sure. uh, stodged with you. Um, in uh, Bogota at uh, Astrid okay. Gaston. This is uh, Nicholas from Ecuador. He didn't give me his last name. Uh, but he said he stodged with you at uh, Astrid Gaston. Uh, and so... Oh, nice. Yeah, he said, why do you think... Hi, yeah, he said, why do you think besides Mexico and Brazil, it has taken all uh, other... Uh, taken other Latin American countries such a long time to be recognized for their traditional cuisines, even though we all share similar products, ingredients, and flavors? I think it's quite... I don't know if it's quite simple because I think Mexico and Brazil they they've been playing a good role in the world scene uh, because many other things I don't know because of uh, what you call soccer, football, uh, art, uh, different uh, you know different participations in the world uh, I don't know in economy in, in fashion whatever is is uh, in different trends. So uh, the gastronomy were you know exposed before uh, some other countries, uh, but this is moving very quick now. People is looking into something different, and uh, I think it's always going to be the time for for countries like of uh, course Ecuador and name a few like some other countries. Well, chef, let me ask you this to kind of piggyback on uh, Nicholas's question. Um, it seems like maybe the past 20, 25 years in South America, more people are getting in. There's a kind of two things, like people who kind of are like edu- like more educated than maybe maybe 50 years ago are getting into food than, you know, nowadays, like people who are, you know, kind of uh, like have a lot of education, which at the same time people are also all of a sudden interested in more local ingredients and it's caused kind of this explosion. Do you think that's true or not? That's kind of what I noticed in Colombia and, you know, from what I've read from other other places. Do you think that's true? 
Well, yeah, I, I think I witnessed this because I, I, I've never seen so many people coming to Peru just, uh, and asking going to, to market or just going to Cusco and, and probably don't, don't, don't uh, looking, uh, people just not looking for, for the normal stuff like, uh, you know, going to the Incas, ruins, uh, or archaeological sites. They, they want to go to market, they want to go to enjoy food in, different, uh, in, the, in the market. Uh, they they want to go to, to see the street food vendors. So I think, of course, there's a, 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 an explosion. I think it's something because, um, I don't know, it's like a, a, the world the has, has changed. Into, now people are more concerned about what, what they're eating and, and, and what they are consuming. And I think nowadays the region of, of food is important. How, how much credit within South America do people give to uh, Alex uh, Atala? Because I remember... Years ago, he came up to do a demonstration at, at uh, in New York right. at Star Chefs, and I was like, no one here had heard of like any of the ingredients that he had had dealt with, and this was before, you know, Noma was famous for these like lo- hyper local ingredients, and I think he just kind of blew all of our heads off. We were just like, what the hell is happening? Everyone wanted to go. I've never been because again, I've never been south of Colombia, but do people in South America still kind of? Give him credit because I feel like worldwide he helped kind of kick off an important movement. No. Well, well he, he was one of the of the of the big names to to start this uh, uh, this pride of, of of having this American cuisine uh, worldwide. Uh, yeah, I remember when he started to travel. I, I was still studying, or I was just I think uh, maybe I was doing stages somewhere. Uh, but I remember he was uh, he was coming with uh, Amazonian ingredients, uh, and yeah, of course. Ingredients that probably you you, you uh, never seen before, and uh, yes, he was uh, he was uh, working with ants, little 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 ants, and and different aromatics, and of course, uh, and again, he was he was he's uh, he came from, from 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 the classic French food, and then then of course he, when he when he came back to when he went back to to Brazil. He switched to, to work with, with uh, local and native Amazonian products, and, and that was quite interesting. And the same happened here with Gaston Acurio in Peru, where he uh, started. He 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 was he was a chef in France, and, and he he came to Peru and he started to to discover uh, not discover rediscover our traditions and, and, and make them more visible to the world. And uh, on these local ingredients, here's something I think that a lot of people I know, like our listeners here, might be interested in. There's a, it's not a, maybe it's a problem. There's a fine line, right, between you, you, you bring these like very local ingredients to light that, and in one way, almost like save them from extinction because some of these places are getting wiped out, right? But on the other hand, if they get too popular, it's also a problem, right? Because then. Like they, sure. so how do you ride that line where it's like celebrating, like helping to survive without at the same time destroying by making it too popular? It's very hard, right? Sure, that's why you you gotta you gotta you gotta have a team, and, and that's why it's not about like just uh, crazy cooks uh, discovering new ingredients and showing ingredients and impressing people. Right? I think the way we we need to to work on conservation, on preservation of species, and, and then. We need to understand, you know, part of our traditions and, and why, why, if we're working on innovation, if we are working on, on, on showing these ingredients, and probably 
making them visible to the world and probably create new markets. We wanna we wanna make sure we wanna ask we wanna make sure we wanna study if that will help any community in our in very far areas. So uh, we were learning from mistakes. It happened with, with quinoa. It happened with maca roots. It happened with different ingredients. But uh, uh, you know, uh, they were uh, they were you know they, they became trendy, and uh, the producers they were not gaining anything about uh, that uh, trend. So now we we are we are uh, I think we are all empowered to to, to create this atmosphere where. Uh, you know, fair trade things are coming to to our places, and and we understand that if we do something that is going to create a quite like a, a small trend or whatever a, a different different habit in, in in our cuisine, uh, it has to it has to be very well studied before. Yeah. Uh, Opt1C writes in, what are the best United States domestic chili pepper substitutes for Peruvian chili peppers? So I guess especially the, the Aji Amarillo, right? If you could only grow three Peruvian chili peppers, what would they be? And what are the best practices for using frozen fish in ceviche, or should freshness be paramount? That was from one of our listeners. Okay, so about the chiles. I mean, you 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 got you got this uh, not a fresh one, but you had a dehydrated uh, uh, Mexican uh, chili peppers, which are amazing. It's, it's smoky uh, chili peppers. Um, you got lots of of uh, different chiles um, uh, from 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 Mexico, which is quite good. Uh, if I have to choose one one to to grow in in in, in the states, which which I know it, uh, it, you can find it. You can find it there. It's the ají amarillo, the yellow chili pepper, and there's another one called, uh, which is very popular here. It's called rocoto. Rocoto, rocoto is like a, it looks like a bell, bell, bell pepper. Uh, it, it is quite spicy. It is, uh, and then um, about uh, the the fish, right? Uh, you mentioned about they, yeah. Uh, they want to they want to know fish. using frozen fish in ceviche. Okay, I think I, I, you know I'm, I'm not against I'm not against uh, uh, frozen fish. Uh, it, just, it just depends on, on on how how you feed the fish and how you how you how you uh, serve the fish after all after this. So uh, when you are posting the fish, I mean, how, how, what they need to use, and uh, you know, it has to be covered. It has to be you, 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 you need the frozen fish in the fridge overnight. That's not a bad idea. But uh, you know, the problem is when you work with frozen stuff that has been frozen many times, and you have no control, you have no traceability, you have no information about the ingredients. And sadly, we know this up because of the price, you know, because if you know that you're buying uh, frozen fish, which is a uh, best example is the tuna. A tuna fish, most, most, most of the tuna fish that we're consuming is coming, is coming uh, frozen and uh, frozen uh, in, in markets in, in, in Japan, in, in Korea, China, even in Peru, Mexico. So, uh, well, the, the thing is just like uh, how what can you use to 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 work with these frozen fish? So and don't 
don't don't treat the fish again. That's 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 something very particular. So Pablo writes in with another ceviche question, and while we're at it. Uh, like I know you mentioned uh, in the book, like the history of ceviche, you might want to go like a short thing on the kind of history of how ceviche you, you were talking about, like oh, maybe what it was like prior to, you know, when citrus fruits were available, if you want to talk about that. But what Pablo wants to know is, does the lemon juice do something besides giving flavor in ceviche? Because it's usually used as an example of cooking with acidity, but they don't seem to be long uh, together long enough to actually cook. Well, when I make it, they, they turn color. I mean, they turn... Anyway, but go, go ahead, Chef. What, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, Pablo, because uh, you, in a way, it's like, uh, you, you, are, you are not cooking the, the fish. It's, uh, it's something that happens, as, uh, you know, once, once uh, we, 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 in Spanish, we say, like, uh, you, you kind of attack the, the, the fish with the, with the lime. Once, once the lime juice goes to the, the fish, the fish turns uh, white. So that's why it looks, uh, of course, uh, cooked, uh, like, uh, by, by the fish. So uh, the question is like, uh, what do we call it? Uh, cook? What, what does it mean as like cooking? You know, is is you need heat or not? But uh, if we were okay, let's pretend we're cooking the fish with uh, with uh, with the lemon juice. Of course, it will in a way like cure the fish, and the fish in, in seconds it, it, it change the texture. So uh, you know, um, we are we are the of course. Uh, we are. Uh, Cooking the fish, but also what changing what changing the texture of the fish. It becomes uh, uh, you know like a firm uh, firmer. Um, it, it becomes a uh, uh, whiter, and uh, the thing is that uh, because of the of, of our Japanese influence uh, in the past uh, 30, uh, 20 years. We've been fasting uh, the, the fish. Uh, we are we're adding the lime juice for just a few seconds before serving. So we don't keep the, 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 the lime juice, you know, uh, we don't keep the fish absorbing this lime juice because otherwise you, you obtain this uh, very firm uh, fish. And uh, in a way, kind of you are not respecting the freshness of the fish. So... One of the most beautiful things is just to, to get a fresh fish, uh, slice it in seconds, and uh, use also uh, uh, cold uh, fish. Add some salt before the lime juice uh, to protect a bit, and then add the lime juice, and then serve it, serve it straight away. Which, which in this case, is the, the lime juice, we, instead of using the lime juice, we we prepare something which is in the recipe of the book, which is called Leche de Tigre. You want Google what Leche de Tigre, which is the tiger's milk, which is the, the juice that we obtain uh, when we are having ceviche. I have, I have to ask you this before, because John here will kill me if I don't. You somehow smuggled piranha, vacuum-packed piranha. First, oh, of, all, yeah. first of all, what does a piranha <laughs> taste like? What do they taste like? Uh, it tastes. Uh, you you want to you want to try Amazonian fish. It, it tastes so so uh, so Amazonian. <laughs> I, I think uh, this is the best example of of of, of, of the, the texture is is quite like a, like a taste because uh, uh, it, it it tastes like a, you know like uh, like like uh, having this uh, meat with crystals, you know, like a, a crunchy meat, and uh, it, it provides a lot of flavor. And uh, the thing is that the piranha meat is, is very thin, so uh, you want to be very careful whenever you 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 you, you the, the piranha to get the fillet. 
And uh, yeah, what, what happened to me is that I brought these piranhas, but they were like uh, they were already already cooked and uh, dehydrated, so oh. they were not uh, fresh piranhas. So it was a big scandal for, for some people when they were they, so, <laughs> they were ready. All right, they're de- dehydrated. Okay. That that makes a little more sense. Yeah, but they were Let me tell you something. Like this is LAX people. So he's like he flies into LAX, and I don't know if any of you guys have dealt with U.S. Customs before, but it, they're not exactly. I mean, nothing against them. They're not the friendliest bunch on earth. I can't imagine them looking at a package, a vacuum packed piranha, and being like, okay. Okay, and you just what? Yeah, 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 yeah. How the hell did you talk through that? Did you? I mean, you don't have to say this, but did you bribe them? You but, can't but, bribe but, U.S. customs it, officials. Imagine, imagine this: uh, most of the time when I travel, uh, uh, we travel to cook. And uh, you mentioned uh, Alex that like, he went to to to. I think he was in this in New York, right? Uh, where he did uh, chef's uh, this presentation. So most of the time we we bring ingredients to to our cooking uh, demonstrations. So in, in, my, in my case, I brought this, this uh, dehydrated piranhas. The thing is that, uh, I mean, most of the time we bring uh, dehydrated fish, any kind of fish, you can bring a, a, even like a, a cure T-Bus, like, uh, or let's say like, uh, if somebody asks you, what, what are you having there? You say like, okay, I'm having like a cure salmon. I'm having like smoked uh, salmon, smoked uh, grouper, smoked T-Bus. But, you know, uh, I I think I committed a mistake <laughs> because I I, I, I was too relaxed and I said, okay, well, what, when they ask, they ask me, uh, what is that? I say, I said, piranhas. Like, uh, I said, dehydrated piranhas. Yeah, well. And they were like, what? Piranhas? <laughs> and that yeah. was uh, quite, uh, yeah, it took, it, took me, it took me two hours to, to, to you know, to, 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 to land, uh, well. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Well, I can't believe you got that through. You know the old trick people do with cheeses, because in the U.S. you can't bring raw milk cheese younger than 60 days. So the people who lie just say, it's uh, it's older than 60 days. And they're like, okay. Because they don't know. Customs doesn't. Oh, really? Yeah. Cus- cu- a customs person can't necessarily tell the difference between a salmon and a piranha, strangely. Uh, but once they know it's a piranha chef, yeah. they're not too happy about it. Uh, so, uh, since I have you on the phone. No, no, no. They, they were, yeah. No, no, they were, they were, they were very intrigued, and so some of them were laughing at me. And <laughs> anyway, it was, uh, but I, I experienced a very big uh, thanks. In, you know, Australia. Uh, when you go to the airport uh, with food, they, they got really, really. It was uh, scary because uh, they are they are protecting their land. Uh, oh yeah, and they're so willing to to take off all your food. So, uh, yeah, yeah we're going to be careful. I mean, Australia, yeah. I mean, they've I, been, I, I they've been have, hurt so honestly, many times. Honestly, honestly, that was the first and the last time I bring piranhas to the U.S. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, something Peruvian that I only tried to make once, and it was so terrible that I need to know how to properly make it, okay? The way I ta- when I made it, it tasted like I was sucking on... Uh, on the bedding from a from a goat, it tasted like a like a barn. The chuño. I now I know there's a white chuño and oh, a black yeah. chuño. I bought the white one. I don't know the difference in flavor between the white one and the black one, and that's different from the the uh, papas secas, the dried potatoes that you use in the dehydrated potato stew, right? Can you tell me the difference in flavor between those three ingredients and how to not make it taste terrible? Yeah. 
Yeah, the basis really like rotten and uh, the process of fermentation and, and then uh, the thing is that uh, most of these, uh, these, these are potatoes that they are freeze dried and uh, they, they pass uh, some time in, in, uh, soaked in water from the rivers. And it, it's, it's something very uh, natural what they do with you know, people in the mountains, they've been doing this for years. And uh, so it's, it's this uh, um, avant-garde technique of, of utilization, utilization uh, where, where you freeze-dry things. But uh, they were doing this uh, thousands of years ago. But in this case, with this, this kind of potatoes, what they do is they, they ferment the potatoes uh, for for long, long time. So... Uh, the smell of, of the of the of the tubers uh, are, are quite uh, yeah cheesy and and uh, funny, funky. So uh, yeah, and the and the black ones, um, you know, are the ones that are not peeled. So the black the, the black the black is the skin. The white are peeled because. Uh, the, you, you, you preserve the, the white under under uh, the river, under the, uh, the, yeah, the, the water coming from the river. So the river is feeding the, 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 the potatoes. And uh, they are, they are, you know, what we do is, uh, they, they smell, yeah, they smell a lot. Uh, what, what we do in the kitchen, uh, because we, we, we don't use any, 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 any texture or any, 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 any flower that we don't know. Where it's coming from because here you got like a you know I mentioned the quinoa and I mentioned the grains and different cereals so we're getting so we're getting the the, the the kind of the flour coming from the legumes and uh, the starch so you got the tapioca the yuca the cassava so when you we're trying to use we're trying to use every single starch coming from these uh, vegetable roots or different vegetable or, or, or legumes or even from the coca leaf. Uh, we're using starch. So what, what is happening is that uh, uh, with uh, the, the potato, what we do is uh, whenever we want to thicken some sauces, we grate it and we obtain this powder of, 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 of potato. So we use this as a thickener and it, it thickens the sauces uh, very nice uh, and it provides a very beautiful texture. All right, but is the black one? Is the black one more mild? Should I try the black one? Yeah, yeah, it's my guess. Okay, I'll try the black one. I'll try the black one. I got to do it again. I yeah. Never once, Chef. I always yeah, have I to do mind. something at least three times. And this is why I need to come to Peru. I need to have it like I'm supposed to have it first so I know what it's supposed to taste like. Otherwise, how do I know if I'm wrong? You know? How do I know? I will never know unless I go. Sure. Yeah. No, uh, no, no, no. The, the idea is when, when, when you come to Peru, to try everything. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's possible. Of so, uh... So let me go. I want to like go through some of the like recipes in here. For instance, you talk about this fish, uh, tambaki, which is also the paku. You said it tastes like pork. This Amazonian fish tastes like pork. Oh yeah, they smoke pork. Yeah, oh paku, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man. But it, it, it's a fish that it's beautiful. That fish because when you see this fish going to the surface uh, to eat uh, fruits, it's just a beautiful scene. So we do a dish here in Central where. Uh, what we do in the restaurant is an interpretation of what we see in nature. So if we go to the Amazon and we see the fish uh, just waiting for, uh, let's see, tomatoes or, or different uh, fruits, like mangoes, uh, coming down from the tree, 
you see the fish going to the surface uh, for the food. So we do uh, we do we do a, a, a serving on this menu that uh, the fish uh, with the fruit that the fish is consuming. So you see this uh, fish that tastes like a, a bit it has this texture of pork because it's more about the texture and with with um, with fruits. Yeah, I mean, look, this book, I, like, uh, we're running out of time. The Latin American Cookbook by uh, Virgilio Martinez, it, it's got, like, I'll just go through some of this stuff re- really quickly. Uh, when I read the, read the book, I thought what's interesting is, is that I would just, I would see something, and then I would have to go down an internet rabbit hole to look at it. Just like the cassava recipes alone, like the cassava liquid, I mean, the, the bread, ba- so the bread baby, this, like, baby-shaped bread from the Andes. Does that taste good, or is it more the way it looks, Chef? Hmm. Well, i got to say it's more of the look. Uh, it tastes like a... Yeah, it's, it, it, the bread is look, it tastes uh, good. It's, it's just that, 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 that all these colors that they do, uh, it's, it's so artisanal that uh, it, it, it looks... Uh, you know, some, sometimes, you know, things got to look uh, beautiful to be more... Uh, to be tastier. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, same with all the, all the preparations, folks. And people, people walking around with uh, bread shaped like babies, with babies' faces on it. I mean, I kind of appreciate that. We need to do that in this country. Imagine if everyone walked around in baby... Here, Chef, in the U.S. now, people go with baby strollers. There's not even babies in them. There's tiny dogs in them. Instead, they should have little bread-shaped... I mean, a baby-shaped breads. But, like, even, like the bread section alone in this book, there's like a... There's like a potato bread made with mashed potatoes and grated potatoes. It's cooked on a stick and then split over a fire, then split open and sprinkled with chicharron. We have uh, this is addition, you know, to all of the, the kind of classic. Obviously, you're going to have the good Peruvian stuff in because you know that's there. Uh, but like uh, banana flour recipes, like things that you wouldn't expect, like a Chilean steak and green bean sandwich. Does that taste good? Shredded green beans on a steak sandwich sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. It's just. It's just it's something about like being open minded and, and uh, being willing to, to try something, something different. Uh, uh, there are some things that look so, so probably so bizarre for you uh, because you probably never seen this before. Uh, you know uh, the way uh, we serve uh, avocado in, in ceviches in, in soups. It's quite uh, weird, you know. Uh, and I, I keep seeing weird stuff going on in the Amazon, but uh, in, in Brazil, for instance, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with Brazilian food, but there are so many uh, different regions and so many uh, uses of, of ingredients. When you when you mention the bread, uh, you know uh, we uh, we didn't we didn't get uh, wheat till the, the Spanish came. So we used to uh, make uh, this kind of dough and um, bread uh, with uh, different flowers coming from cassava, potatoes, uh, vegetable root, legumes. Uh, these leaves, uh, these are aromatic. So we used to have more, more of, of flat bread, like uh, like tortillas, kind of. Oh yeah, the corn, the corn and potato sections. I mean, obviously, corn and potatoes, please. Yeah, they, uh, but yeah, but the bread section is interesting because it's about this kind of conjunction of wheat. But then you have all these interesting wheat recipes, like you boil wheat. Uh, till it's soft, you mash it, and then you cook it into uh, into a cake that served as a... I forget which one, what the name of that was. But I'll leave you a couple more because what John's telling me I'm, I'm super late. Chilean hot dogs, John. This is what I'm going to say. Chilean hot dogs with the color of the Italian flag on it, where the green oh, is yeah. green is mashed avocado. Oh, that sounds a- great. Avocado, 
mayonnaise and like a tomato, like a concasse chef, or more like a ketchup? That's that's a ketchup. Uh, yeah, it looks like an Italian flag. It's, 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 it's funny. Yeah, uh, but they're very well consumed in Chile. Well, uh, we don't see this in Peru. Uh, we don't see this anywhere. I mean, just in Chile. And uh, I, I mean, what, what I got this in Chile, they they love sandwiches. Like there, there's some there's some things that you, you you keep seeing in different countries. Like in Chile, you see you see. Uh, Sandwiches, you see empanadas, you see uh, tamales, and those uh, sandwiches and empanadas and, and tamales, uh, you keep seeing in different countries using different ingredients. So that's something really, really interesting about it, the American cuisine that uh, you keep repeating the same preparations, but with different ingredients. So you see the tamales with corn, tamales with uh, cassava, tamales with potatoes, tamales with. Uh, uh, different uh, vegetables and legumes and, and different feelings. Same with empanadas, uh, different feelings and, and uh, sandwiches, yeah, of course. Yeah. Chicharron and everything, avocados and, and uh, all kinds of added. But by the way, which avocados do you usually use in Peru? The fatty ones or the not fatty ones? The fatty ones. The fatty ones? Yeah. Yeah, small uh, ones. Yeah. The uh, okay. One last. John's really getting mad at me here. So is Hassan. Uh, like, but there's uh, all kinds of random. Like stuff that you don't think about, like in Paraguay, they they make these these ribs. John, you're gonna like this. Ready this? Ready, Ready. for it? All right. Pork ribs, and then after it's cooked, you take toasted corn flour and dust it, so it looks like a dry, dusty corn powder. And now I'm like, what the hell does that taste like? I want to see what that tastes like. Yeah, that sounds really delicious. Yeah. Yeah, we should do it. Yeah, we should do that. But chef, that looks nice. are yeah. the, are they are the ribs cooked soft or are they cooked still like chewy? No, soft. So, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to try that. Yeah, most of the meat that we serve, we, 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 we cook for a long period of time and, and they, they get very, very soft. And then we try to, to make them crispy. And this is something that we, we quite uh, keep repeating in, in different regions where you uh, quite like it. Not, not, not overcook, but you cook for, for a lot of temperature, uh, a, any kind of meat or any preparation. And then you 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 you, you warm up uh, in a whatever in a nonstick pan or or with fire. Well, chef, thank you so much. I can't wait. Someday I will. Someday I will get to go to Peru. The book is the Latin American Cookbook by Virgilio Martinez. Uh, I'm sorry to the Patreon people who wrote in other questions that weren't for chef. I didn't get a chance to them. Although Balloon Knot asked, "How do you prevent whole crabs from turning black when they're chilled and stored?" The answer is you've undercooked them. You haven't fully denatured the hemocyanin, which can then turn uh, bluish or black after it's been stored. The rest of it, I'll get to the uh, what, John? Yeah. Oh, John I'm, wants to say something too. Yeah. Um, uh, for all you listeners out there, we are doing a special secret perk for Patreon. You get $5 off of Sears All Pro, but even better than that, you get a 5 to 10 minute video of Dave talking about pies and making a pie. And you'll get an annotated recipe to go with that, too. So just go to bookerandax.com and you will find the link right there as a pop-up. Thanks when am I, when do I have to have that done by, by the way, John? We got some time. Uh, because, you know, I'm going deep on Paul, also uh, deep on pie in my pie hole. And Mr. Paul asked me about livery flavors in sous vide duck. Cook it lower. Don't cook it as long. I'll deal with it more in depth. But in case you have to cook a duck, like, soon, after it's cooked through, it's like 45 minutes on a, or less, less even, 30 minutes on a breast, drop the temperature, and it will stop it from going to livery on, on the breast. But I'll deal with it more in depth later. Again, thank you, Chef, for coming on. Cooking Issues.